0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Business. And before I jump into it, I want to talk about my friends at Liberty Tax for being a great sponsor of All Business. For those of you out there who are tired of the corporate grind and you're ready to become your own boss, you might want to think of them about buying a franchise because the good folks at Liberty Tax offer a great service. You can have a seasonal franchise or you can have one that's full-time all the time because it's in an industry where it's never going away. Taxes Taxes, taxes. And they've been named one of the top franchises by Entrepreneur Magazine. So visit libertytaxfranchise.com to learn more. And this episode is brought to you by Right Networks. Now they are forward thinking. If you're a CPA firm, you're acting professionals, you're an SBA, who doesn't want to move to the cloud? So Right Networks is the only partner that can help you transform your business by getting your current accounting-based desktops, on-premises, SaaS applications to the cloud because... Proven technology, exceptional support, and commitment to helping their customers. These guys are really good. And if you're interested, give them a call at 888-417-4448, extension 1. Hey, tell them Jeffrey Hazlett, All Business sent you. That's the right networks at 888-417-4448, extension 1. Now's the time to talk. It's been big. It's been huge. Google fired someone for putting out a memo. We want to talk about it. So I have the opportunity to go grab the number one most influential person in HR by HR Magazine. He's right here. He won the Lifetime Achievement Award from HR Magazine for being the father of modern human resources. So to have a conversation about why companies are failing the war for talent and how Google messed this thing up. I wanted my good friend Dave Ulrich to sit down with me and talk about what's going on in HR today. Here you go. Listen in.
1: From Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. HR is all in the news. This is a big week for
0: you. It's got to be a huge week because Google's CEO and the head of diversity just fired someone for pointing out that their diversity policies were doing them more harm than good and wrongfully accused him, at least I think so, of sexism, of which he's now suing him for. Because I think he was just espousing opinion on whether he was being sexist, which means he's being mean to other people. I
2: guess that's how I would look at it. So do you think they made a big mistake here? You know, it's a really tricky issue, and the answer is yes, with caveats. What you want to have in a culture of diversity is the ability to have uh, a debate about ideas and a debate about differences. And so somebody has the right to write a memo expressing an opinion, and somebody else has a right to express a difference of opinion. And it is in that dialogue and tension of ideas where innovation generally comes. So I don't know all the details of Google, and and I'm not sure anybody really does. But one of the things that we've learned about diversity, it's not a single event in time. It's not a picture. It's a flow that has a past, present and future. And to say that Google is trying to get women in engineering is a wonderful social agenda. I mean, seriously, who would be opposed to that? Quite frankly, I mean, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, that's just asinine. Of course, you're not opposed. The issue is, how do you do that in a way that enables you to continue to compete? Because if Google can't compete, uh, by the way, you're sitting in uh, with a lawyer, an accountant, a financial advisor, a physician. And they say, oh, a a man, a woman, whatever subcategory. And they say, oh, the only way I made it through my certification was special class. I'd go, uh, no, I don't think so. You know, you're not going to handle my money. You're not going to handle my lawsuit. You're not going to handle my body. I I want competence to be the dominant criteria. And then the issue is how do you build the pool from which you can build sustained competence?
0: Yeah, cause I would think if you're a shareholder or anyone that wants to do business with Google, you want competent people. I mean, that's, that's, that's the first thing. Now, but at the same time, you know, and this is what this gentleman said. He actually said that, um, you know, 80% would roughly, let just say it's, I think it's 80% of, of the people, 82%, I think is the number that's actually graduating from engineering school or becoming engineers are men. So that means you're leaving out a great number. So is, is Google is Google committing suicide by forcing 50% of their coding workforce to be women in a field where only 18% go
2: to school for this type of job? Actually, what they're creating is a uh, artificial market. If I'm one of those 18% women, I'm now going to charge triple uh, yeah. because Google's gone public. And that's a silly idea. I mean, to be really honest... Every one of us would agree that you've you got a left hand and a right hand. The left hand is competitiveness. you got to win in the marketplace. The right hand is social responsibility. The question is, how do you bring those hands together? And the answer is probably long-term. My example in that industry is Intel. The CEO of Intel stood up about a year and a half ago, and he said, we know that we need to increase our talent pool to get talented people of all types, racial, gender, uh, sexual orientation, religious diversity, all types. And I'm going to invest $100 million to do it. Where does the money go? It goes into high schools. It goes into universities. It goes into camps so that I can take a 15 or 16-year-old young man or young woman from Latin America, from the Gulf States, from from Israel, from, from South America. And if this is their passion and skill set, I'll give them a scholarship. I'll, I'll let them go to school. I'll help them get skilled so that now over time, I'll have a pathway to make that better. But to say, you know, we, we've got to do it immediately. 50, 50. I think that's naive. I think it, 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 it sends the wrong message, both to men and to women and the women it undercuts the most are the good ones because then you look at a woman you say oh well she's a special class she's not that good wrong 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 anyway i feel pretty strongly about some of that
0: but at the same time it's isn't it a responsibility at least i believe to some extent for companies to do the right thing and to to help when they can steer it where it should be I don't know if the right number is 50% and 50%. If you're only graduating, you know, I think the bigger issue, and I think that's what he raised, if you're only graduating, 18% of them are women, it makes it a little tougher. So it shouldn't go further back into the system and say, hey, what are we doing in
2: schools to not get women in Absolutely. these kinds of jobs? I mean, I, we're saying the same thing. So so if you were advising the the head of Google, what would you say to them? Jeffrey, because you've you've thought about this. What would you say to them?
0: Well, I've, you know, I've, I've been in these situations like for let me give you a clear picture. When I was the chief marketing officer in Kodak, I had hiring policies and I had to hire so many people of this and this and this. Now, not numbers wise, but we had goals, diversity goals. So our chief diversity officer would sit down with me and go through the goal. And by the way, I was always in trouble with white men. <laughs> white middle aged men were a problem for me, meaning They told me I had to hire more of them, but I'm serving a public that is primarily female and primarily a minority or people of color. Okay. So when I was head, uh, you know, chief marketing officer, I had 78% of the people that were working for me were women or people of color. That's unheard of. Well, but why did I do that? Because that's the population we were serving. So I said, let's go reflect the population we're serving. So they would come back to me and say, well, you need to hire more white male. Well, wait a second. If our overall thing is to be reflective of the communities we have. So it really, the, what I would get to, and then my answer isn't a long way, not just pat myself on the back, but my answer is, I'm going to have some very good standards of what our vision and goal is, and I'm going to try to strive to them, but understand that's not a law. That's not a, that's not written in stone. It just says, this is what we're going to
2: go to. And wherever possible, that's what I'm going to go do. I totally agree. And in Rochester, I'm assuming that not everyone in the world wants the lake effect of Rochester, uh, where he's Kodak (laughs) is headquartered, Uh, been there in the winter, Uh, been there more days than I choose to be sometimes in the winter. But that's, that's what a company's got to be able to say is here's the standard for competence We are going to try to increase diversity and responsibility around gender, around race, around ethnicity to give us a bigger pool of candidates so that we can continue to be competent. And what I think Google's agenda should be is we want to be the magnet company. If you're interested in doing creative, analytical, coding kind of work that we offer at Google, male, female, we want to be the magnet employer that gets you to come And when we do that, I think over time those numbers begin to balance out. Now, the other thing I think Google did is they say one of the fascinating debates on this issue is transparency. Mm -hmm. Does a Google employee have the right to be transparent with his or her opinion? Of course they do.
0: Okay. Okay. Let's don't answer that question. I want to come back to that because I want to take a break because I do want to get into this because I, I think it's very interesting. um uh, uh, what what occurred after he published it and then what happened so i want to be transparent because i want to talk about diversity talk about diversity of choice so i'm talking about my friends at dunkin uh, donuts they you got 15,000 ways you can order your coffee and you can't go wrong let me tell you you talk about diversity that's diversity now for me i'm simple i got like one way double espresso that's all it takes for me now no whipped cream no latte just the basic black espresso that's what i like although i am kind of getting partial to a little bit of almond milk i don't know why it's kind of quirky but who who knows i'm but i'm kind of jumping into that so i say don't change what you like unless they add bacon i like bacon i would love to have bacon that'd be okay so for me um i have to have one of my favorite brands and and I, i love that they're a sponsor right here in all business now dave are you a coffee drinker
2: I'm not a coffee drinker, but I am a popular fan of Dunkin' Donuts. I can, uh, if you look at me, you can see some of those donuts in almost every part of my body. Uh. <laughs>
0: you can actually see a lot of dozens on me. So, there you go. <laughs> so we talked about transparency. So is it okay
2: for an employee to stand up and say, I think our company's wrong? Yes. And with the proviso that you have to also say to that employee, you have a right to voice an opinion, but you don't have a right to take it so far as to as to not then agree. Uh, th- let me give you the theory that we're learning in business. Everybody looks for the, the, the holy grail of leadership. So what makes a great leader? And for decades, it was emotional intelligence Uh, character, integrity? And the answer is absolutely yes. Think of that as a foundation. So what's the next level of the house? Learning, growth, resilience. And everybody in the last 10 years has said good leaders grow, they learn, they're resilient, uh, they change, they adapt. Where's the next level of that house? And here's what we're finding, the navigation of paradox. Great leaders can deal in a duality. And so what happens in diversity, we want to have a company that relishes divergent opinion. You're at Google. You have a different opinion than me. Thank you. Let's get it out there. But on the other hand, that leader has then got to say, we are willing to diverge, but we also have to converge. Once you've been heard, once the diversity has occurred, we've got to put our resources together to go win. And what that means is if a company is too divergent, there's too much diversity, there's no focus. That company's not going to win. If a company is too focused, they're not going to win in the long term because they can't diverge. And so the challenge at Google is to manage this. Yes, you have a right to disagree. I encourage that disagreement. We call that in America democracy. But once the election is had. We sometimes need to rally troops and move forward. And so it's this managing divergence and convergence paradox that I think enables a company to move ahead. You know, I, I actually I think that's brilliant, and
0: I, I really do, I, I truly do, because I think you need the diversity of thought to bring and call. I call it causing tension. I think you need tension and organization in order to get to a better place, and so that means you have to have people on all sides, but in the in the middle, as I just said, you've got to have that convergence, is what you just said. Yep. Meaning you got to come together on this, and we agree on this, and this is where we're going. And if you don't agree, hey, dude hit the highway. But in
2: this case, I don't think they gave this guy the
0: chance. Maybe, Maybe we don't know the whole story.
2: Yeah, we may not know the whole story. Cause this guy, I mean, this may be one of those needle that broke the haystack. I mean, this there yeah. are sometimes employees, and I don't know this employee, so it's 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 inappropriate to speak, but sometimes there are employees who are malfeasance and they're and they're constantly harping and never never accepting that there is a state of convergence where you say, Hey, I heard and remember twenty-five years ago, I was working with a CEO who was very famous at the time named Jack Welch. And he had laid out a program called Workout. and but I was yeah, helping,
0: But Jack Welch is still pretty famous. I mean, he uh, is still pretty uh,
2: famous. Still but pretty but famous. he had laid out a program called Workout. And he said, speed, simplicity, self-confidence. That's the new agenda. And I was asked to help coordinate some of that. And I said, Jack, you got to add another S called service, service, service. You got to be market focused. And he said, Dave, I heard you. And it's speed, simplicity, self-confidence. Get on with it. And it hit me. It was his call. Yeah. If I kept harping on him to say, Jack, you missed something, I can guarantee what he just said to me. <laughs> yeah, hit You're the guy. highway. Hit the yeah, highway. Hit the he highway. Heard, now, at Google, I don't think they modeled well, and I loved your word tension. You need to tension without contention. You need to have a, a tension without contention. You need to agree to disagree. And once that happens, then we can begin to move forward. By the way, this isn't just Google. Heaven's sakes. No. We live in a country uh, okay. where we, we, we can't solve pretty obvious problems because people are not willing to say we disagree and we're going to move forward. And that's just yeah. such a critical skill.
0: It is kind of an interesting paradox that we're thinking, that we're finding, because I think what we're seeing is this reaction, much like I watch on my Facebook feed every day, and where someone says I'm for Trump or someone says I'm against Trump, and then they say, screw you, you're off my page. You're no longer my friend. And I, I think we're a little bit in that. It's interesting that we want tolerance, but we're, we're being intolerant of, of having that kind of discussion. It's just
2: crazy. This, uh, now Jeffrey, we're getting out of business. This is, I got to yeah. share something I just read and it's a political landscape that scares me to death. It's called landscape counties. When Jimmy Carter was president and I'll get the numbers close about 25% of the counties in the United States or, or house of representatives were landscape. So they had more than 20% Democrat or Republican downtown Chicago is Democrat where I live in. Well, in South Dakota, it's probably more than 20% yeah. Republican. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so today, that's over 70%. And let me tell you how scary that is. I now live in this isolated uh, social ghetto, Democrat or Republican, where I'm surrounding myself with people who look, walk, act, and talk like me. I think that's horrendous. Mm. I think we need the, the, the hegemony. The differences, the tension gives us variety. It gives us a spice of life. And as a country, we're not getting it. So somebody can vote against Trump who's a Republican president go home and still get elected Mm -hmm. because there's no consequence. It's 70%. Well, it's, it's more than 20% Republican. That's not healthy. I think we need to live in a country where Jefferson and Madison had a remarkable respect for each other. And in the federalist papers, they debated, they debated and, and Hamilton didn't do so well with, Raymond Burr on all the debates, you know, well, but, <laughs> but, but it was but a divisive, the, It was a decisive argument. Pretty quick. A bullet tends yeah, to do that. So. Yeah. But, the, but the spirit of dissension is what makes this country so good. And, and I wish we could get in Google and my counsel to Google is going public and social media separates us. And it's kind of like, mm-hmm. Oh, I've gone social media. I've got to respect Go back, have a discussion, and you say to this guy, you know, don't go public on Facebook and criticize us. That's not very helpful. Right. If you don't agree, come talk to us. Let's have the debate. Let's have the dialogue, and hopefully, with respect, he feels heard, and hopefully, with respect, Google encourages this transparent discussion.
0: But yeah, what you would think they would have because isn't Google about googling? It's about finding things. It's a it, to me, it's yeah. it, it is about diversity of of all this stuff, and I think. I question and I don't know their values. I you know, I'm sitting here armchair quartering back, but I think they made a big, huge bonehead move. First of all, I think they should have this is one of those times they would've they should've probably listened to HR. They should have said, wait twenty-four hours. Call you he, he's gonna survive this. By the way, I don't think what he did was gonna be a huge thing. I think the actions he took and then their reaction to it is what's caused this thing. Um, yeah, and we'll I think, so, and, and Silicon Valley is pretty sensitized right now. You gotta be, let's be clear. I mean, there's a lot of sexual harassment going on. There's a lot of people complaining that women aren't getting their fair share. There's, there's this whole thing about the, the, the VC world, you know, making a woman's uh, founder sleep with somebody in order to get money. So I get that. Okay. Get that. But
2: I don't think, th- I think this was a, ch- a chance for them to shine. And in this case, they blew it. I totally agree. I mean, if I were Google, one of the and I wasn't I haven't been asked for counsel, but I would have said, Google, you have a lot of money, put up a million dollars, put together a forum at Stanford or San Jose State somewhere in Silicon Valley, Berkeley, and have people come together and have a discussion about this issue. Mm-hmm. and and allow this guy to be on a panel by the way again i don't know this guy if he's a wacko guy and it could be he's a wacko he's going to come across that way ten,
0: he did write like 10 pages on one point or something so yeah, I, I mean
2: I, I felt like i, I mean but he's I was an engineer I'll, I'll do respect to engineers he's an engineer They're a little quirky he, You know, he may be an engineer with hypergraphia but it felt a little bit like the unibomber manifesto of 20 years ago but mm-hmm. so bring this guy in and say let's have a panel yep. let's have a forum we at Google believe in building competitiveness no question and we are socially responsible we want to give great people at all stages of their life chances to do great work and I think Google could have managed that so much better Uh, frankly the PR I think you said it beautifully it's it's back in time it it wasn't the burglary at Watergate it was the aftermath I mean it's, it's 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 the aftermath of this that creates all the harassment and and I think Google didn't handle that very well, not right. very well at all.
0: Well, let me let me talk about something else for a second. Come back. I want to talk to you about at will employment because I think that's part of what's hit this at the crux of this. And then and then I want to talk about the talent, a talent war because I think we're a little bit into that. And you've mentioned that in the past, so I want to talk about that. So let me talk about the right networks. And that these these guys are are new sponsors to us, and I like them because they're in the cloud. So they help you securely transition your accounting based desktop applications into the cloud, regardless of what. version you're using. They're a partner you can trust. They take away the burden of IT so you can focus more time on your business. Now, as a CEO of my own business, I know what that's like. They you know, this makes keeping close track of your finances and operations so much better, so much easier because you can work from anywhere, anytime. And they got a great support team that's there around the clock. So they're very helpful. So keep in mind that being in the cloud means that you and your team can work from anywhere, Anytime, giving a maximum flexibility never we have to drive to the office on a Saturday when you realize you forgot to submit the numbers to your boss or or to, you had to get a proposal out just pop open your laptop your smartphone and take care of it right from wherever you're at no matter what you're doing so get back to get back to life with right network so here's a phone number you can give them a call eight 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 four one seven 4448 extension 1. So give him a call. Right Networks, 888-417-4448, extension 1. So this guy is in California. That's an at-will state, right? Absolutely. So what's that mean? I, I understand, but let's talk
2: to, to the general people listening to us. What's that mean? Well, what at-will means uh, around employment is that employment's it's a term used in a contractual relationship in labor law in which an employee can be dismissed by an employer for any reason without having to establish just cause and without warning. And so uh, an employer can say, under what circumstances can I fire you? And, and it gets tricky because you want the employee. This is, again, back to this notion of paradox, Jeffrey. On the one hand, you want the employee to perform well. On the other hand, you want the employer to have the right to let an employee go when they don't. Good leadership is not you. I know you were on The Apprentice, but good leadership is not firing somebody at will. We're starting to see that in in um, even in presidential <laughs> politics you don't he's, well he's consistent
0: <laughs> so, he's consistent but you yeah. can't
2: fire your way to long-term profitability right. and uh, or long-term employee engagement and and so there's this dimension under what circumstances does an employer have the right to fire somebody um, which is the outwill clause? Well, and, I
0: mean, but they, but typically it's got to be for reason for cause. It's got to right? be for
2: cause, and yeah, that's I mean, the, it can't
0: be because he's wearing red socks, and I don't like red socks. So
2: yeah, or, or or yeah, I mean, it's and so Google's saying, and it's gonna, I again, I'm not an attorney, and I wouldn't claim to be. Uh, Google's gonna say, look, this employee uh, did something that hurt Google's shareholders. He he acted out of league, and the employee's gonna say, I have a right to share my thoughts. Yeah. And you don't have a right to fire me for being transparent with my disagreement. And and I don't know where the law comes out on that. I would tend to I would it's a really tough one because I think employees have the right to say things. I think they even have the right to say stupid things. But I think ultimately you have the right. The company has the right to say if you continue to say these stupid things. That are hurting us as a company in our reputation, in our brand, which is the work you've done so much with, Jeffrey. But if they're doing things that will hurt our reputation and brand, we're not going to keep you around. You're choosing to leave. So what, what I've recommended to an employer is to go to the employee and say, you have every right to say whatever you want. But if you continue to say this in the way you've said it, it's hurting our brand. It's hurting our reputation. And you then are making a choice to leave the company. Yeah. Because we have the right to set some expectations.
0: Well, typically, a good company will will give you a warning, or will you know you outline the conditions of satisfaction. Now, doesn't mean I, mean, I have one time an employee I fired one time, and he said, "Well, but I didn't get a warning." I said, "Well, all due respect, you know it was a bone, you know it was a stupid move, and I don't have to give you a warning. It's outside of our conditions of satisfaction. You're 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 breaking the way in which we operate as a company, so." I'm sorry, it just doesn't work, you know. But but typically, you you do document that, especially in a bigger company. You know that. You have a a process for that. So it's going to be interesting to see how that unwinds. It's going to be interesting because I think he'll make the argument, well, you say I caused damage to the
2: company? Well, your actions caused more. Yeah. And it'll be kind of interesting. Well, if I were, if you were, well, if you were advising Google right now, what would you advise them with this? I case? would
0: have, I would have told them. I would have, in hindsight, I would have said, "Take your time. This is not that big of a thing. It's yeah. an internal yeah. memo, and you're going to deal with it internally because this is a Google issue, not a public issue." All right, that's what I would have said. Um, because that's an issue inside the company, and here's where we stand: we say we want fifty percent, but we, but we're Google, and we believe in diversity of thought as well. And I, and I think that would have been a, a really good thing. And I think the company would have done it now going forward. Oh, man, I'd have to sit down and really, I, you know, Dave, I haven't thought about that. What would I do? What would I do? You know, one of the things I would probably I like, tell your, people, I like your million dollar idea where, you, do, you know, you put some money out there.
2: Yeah, I, like that. I would probably I would probably go to this guy and say, you know what? It's not in your interest and it's not in our interest to keep the public debate going. Because because yeah. you're going to get a worse reputation. I mean, who's going to hire you when you continue to, to prolong that? And, and we don't want to debate. How do we make this go away? And then, you know, could we could we do the million dollar idea? But what could we put together that would be a package that would allow you to have a voice and to have an opinion and be respectful? And we want to be respectful of you, and for us to just kind of let's put this genie back in the bottle.
0: Yeah, I don't think the genie's not going back into Google. That's for sure. He's not going to go back. Uh, but no, I he's do, not going to go back. But yeah, how he'll, does he they'll get? They'll settle respect? it. They'll
2: settle it. That's my That's They'll, my settle, it. That's they'll settle it. It's a lot cheaper to do that. Again, I love what you've said, Jeffrey. That the issue is managing tension or paradox without contention. How do we disagree yeah. without being disagreeable? How do we navigate this world of, of, of competitiveness and social responsibility? You've got to do both yeah. of long term and short term, of, diff- of convergence and divergence. How do we in the work you've done at Kodak? How do we manage the customers expectations and our commitments to our employees? How do we manage these inevitable tensions? And out of that conversation with tension will come, I think, innovation. In fact, that's what we find. It's yep. innovation doesn't come when we surround ourselves with people like us. That's group think. Nor does innovation come when everybody gets their own way, because that's just random variation. Innovation comes when there's a dynamic tension that forces us to create something new, and that's the talent issue. I know you wanted to address that. In managing talent, you want to bring people together, but you want them to work in a a team that makes the team better than the individuals. Here's what we found in our recent research. Everybody's gaga about the war for talent. Go hire smart people. Go hire committed people. When we did a study, and we love big data sets, we took 1,200 businesses. We had 32,000 people. We looked at the skill sets of the individuals, and then we looked at the quality of the team. So what matters more? On the left hand, you have five fingers independently working. On the right hand, you have a closed fist. You have a team. Which has more business impact, the left hand with the individual talent or the right hand with the closed fist? And what we found was four to one the right hand with the closed fist. Sure. Ta- talent matters. You got to hire good people, but you got to get those good people to work great as a team. And that's what we found in our work. Google's success is they've hired good people, no question. They're now trying to create a culture that makes Google as a team better than their individual talent.
0: So when we talk about looking for this diversity and they put out there, they want 50% of their coding workforce to be women when it's not there.
2: You used a term that's called the war for talent. What is the full meaning of that phrase? Well, the war for talent is we compete to get the best people. Yeah. I mean, that's, we fight a war. Our answer is you have a victory when you have the right organization. So here's what Google would say.
0: Because they come, because they come to you rather than having to platform. Right. for them. That's right.
2: They come to you. You have an organization. You become the magnet. You say we at Google want to be a company incredibly known for innovation, incredibly known for risk taking. You as an employee here will be encouraged to take 20 percent of your time to go create a product or service that we didn't have before. And and if that's the environment where your skills are going to be most used, come work for us. If you want to work in an environment that's more structured, more programmatic, Here's some other companies you could go work for. But if you want to work in this environment, come work for us. Create a culture that represents your identity in the marketplace. Google wants to be known for innovation. That brand in the marketplace should become your internal cultural values. And when you get that culture right, then you get people who reflect those values
0: so i we only got a couple minutes left I, and by the way i have like 30 more questions i want to ask you so i got to have you back because you're like one of the first hr people i've actually really liked to have a conversation with. so hats off to you for keeping it in yeah, there and just somebody it said the
2: one i the one-eyed person in the house of the blind is king so yeah but so is it tougher to be in to be in the hr business than ever before No, it's better than ever because, I mean, because somewhat HR's got this legacy. I mean, it's asking uh, uh, Robin Williams to play Mork. What an insult. I mean, HR is not Mork. Robin Williams is a, he's a, uh, he's a Juilliard trained actor. I mean, and and HR is not Mork. HR is not payroll processing, you know, how do we, how do we offend you through our performance appraisal? HR is not about (laughs) HR. Yeah. HR is about building your talent, your leadership, and your organization to win. Mm -hmm. At Google, Laszlo Block was a great HR person, came out of GE Legacy, and he said, Google's going to build a culture inside that allows our external brand and reputation to win. We're going to build leaders against that. We're going to build talent against it. And and, and that's why I think this misstep at Google, uh, my big advice to them, and I'm close to where you are, be transparent, but don't make this a public debate because nobody's going to win in that public debate. That, that That's my my answer. Also, with American government, you know, we got an we got 50 million people or we had 50 million people uninsured. That's horrible for a country as great as America. Everybody agrees with that. Go into the back room. Close the door. Hide the cell phones. Negotiate. Talk. Fight. argue, make sausage, political sausage, whatever you want to call it? And then come out to us and say, we had tension, we fought, we argued. But don't do that in the media. Get that to happen. And, and I think Google lost some of that opportunity.
0: So- you know, I like to eat sausage. I don't like to watch it made. And in the same that, way, I think that's what. What a pleasure! What a pleasure! I think we're, we're this is going to be an interesting debate to see what happens. And I'm going to have you back, Dave, because it's just been a pleasure to have you. It's been a tough. It's a tough subject. It's not an easy one. And here we are, two men talking about women and talking about diversity. Um, you know that that says something right there. If we can do it, anybody can do it. There we go. So thanks, my friend, for joining us right here on All Business. Anytime,
1: thank you, Jeffrey. Thanks very much. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts.
0: Hey, at the end of every show, I'd like to talk about what I learned. Man, a lot. I really enjoy it. I always enjoy everybody. You guys all know that. You listen to me all the time. But I love his navigation of paradox. All sides. And a great leader's got to listen to all sides. But tension without contention. That was my takeaway. Tension without contention. So you you have to cause tension. That's what a leader, you don't want everybody to say, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. You want some people say, no, sir. And here's why. And here's why it's a better way of doing this. And this is the way we should do it. And you should think about it. And if I disagree, well, then we should get together, okay? And we should say, this is what we're going to do. And I like it. Remember what Jack Wells said to him? I heard you, dude. I heard you, but move on. And I think that's okay to do that. And so that's what I learned today is uh, have great, great ways of thinking about what you want and conditions of satisfaction, how you're going to drive to them. And then you can have the diversity of thought. You can debate about it. But in the end, someone's going to make a decision. This is where we're going to go. And once we make that decision, hey, baby, we're going. So... Speaking of everything, uh, going somewhere, hey, go somewhere and tell a friend about the show because we love to have new listeners and we have a ton of them joining us all the time. I want to thank all my sponsors and I want to thank you, my friends, for listening. So this is Jeffrey Hazlett talking to you right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett on C-Suite Radio.
1: Welcome to C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com.